Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we kick off a new week. Hope you had a good weekend. On Friday, I said I'd be broadcasting today from New Orleans for the American Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting, weather permitting. Well, the weather where I live here in Illinois did not permit. 16 inches of snow. 16 inches. Been doing a lot of shoveling of snow over the weekend, so I did not make it to New Orleans, but we have a number of people lined up that we'll be talking to today and tomorrow that did make it there. And we'll have a chance to talk with them on the program today about what should be a big day down in the Big Easy with President Trump going to be speaking uh, today to the delegates and members of American Farm Bureau. Uh, We'll also talk weather a little bit later on with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, see uh, what's uh, coming this week ahead. But right now, let's go down to the AFBF meeting in New Orleans and uh, someone who's, uh, I think, standing in line to probably clear security, Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Uh, Are you getting ready for the president? Yes, very much so, Mike. And sorry you got hit by Snowmageddon. Uh, That sounds rough. It it hit all of our crew that uh, was still in Washington, D.C. as well, but not quite 16 inches, so that's too bad. I tell you, I uh, got through security very easily this morning. This is far different than last year when they were at Opryland and people were lined up for hours snaking around the halls of the uh, hotel trying to get in line for the president. This time uh, they gave us a designated entrance for press and uh, came right through uh, down in the front row sitting here now. The discussion meet is going on, and uh, there's a couple thousand people already sitting in the auditorium ready for the opening session. And, of course, President Trump is supposed to arrive after 11, and uh, a lot of eagerness about what he's actually going to say today. And uh, I don't think there's been a lot of previews granted yet, so um, we're we're all just uh, waiting with uh, anticipation to see what uh, else he's going to talk about other than I'm pretty sure he'll he'll share how much he loves farmers. He's been consistent on mm-hmm. that. Yeah, he'll have some general themes that will resonate well with uh, those there in attendance at the AFBF meeting. But I said last week I I, ex- I would expect the crowd to be anxious with all that's going on with the government shutdown and the trade issues and things, but still overall generally supportive. Would you agree with that? I would agree, uh, President. Farm of the American Farm Bureau, Zippy Duvall, during his opening address yesterday, said, you know, I don't think the president has meant to hurt American agriculture, but we are getting hurt, first of all, because some of the payments that were supposed to be flowing for trade aid have been cut short uh, because of the shutdown, uh, sign up for the farm bill, even implementation. I mean, USDA staff can't legally work on implementation of the new farm bill and get people ready for sign-up. So there's a lot of things that have really uh, gotten in the way of what the president may may have well-intentioned to help farmers, but certainly uh, it's not happening. And then, of course, on the more global front, you know, the trade wars with China, there seemed to be some good discussions when our negotiators were over there for not two but three days talking to the Chinese, but uh, their leadership needs to come back over and then, of course, President Trump and President Xi have to negotiate the final deal. So we're kind of a long ways from resolving what could be some pretty big trade 
issues, and uh, I think that there's a lot of farmers who want to see that done faster than slower. What are you picking up as far as the mood, the general consensus from uh, Farm Bureau members that have gathered there from around the country? I'd have to say that trust but verify might be something that has come up. Uh, people trust that the president is trying to do the right thing and uh, going up against some uh, folks like the Chinese that a lot of presidents have not confronted in such a major way in the past, but still that isn't paying the bills, and uh, they need to have somebody that's going to resolve these situations, not just elevate them, but resolve the situation. So the proof will be in the pudding here of whether or not he can get a resolution. And also on other trade fronts, you know, we've got USMCA now, that used to be the NAFTA negotiation. It's great that it's been signed off by the leaders of U.S. and Canada and Mexico, but we have to get it through Congress. And given the way the uh, partisanship is right now over the government shutdown, it doesn't look like getting USMCA ratified is going to be an easy lift either. So there's a, a lot of work to do, and I think people want want their leaders to just get the job done and uh, get past uh, whatever issues they have in terms of their own you know, respective positions. But let's get back to work. I know President AFBF President Zippy Duvall addressed uh, that issue, saying uh, pulling out of NAFTA uh, would be very harmful to agriculture. So that's kind of the message being sent to the president as well. Sure. I mean, he's threatened that, and I don't think that uh, that's the general direction he wants to head. But, you know, he's a negotiator, so he's putting a lot of different things on the uh, That would be very, very detrimental to so many different sectors of U.S. agriculture. Waters of the U.S., uh, the new rule, uh, I know that's a big topic of conversation and discussion there at the meeting. Absolutely. Both uh, President Duvall and then Senator Roberts, who was here and uh, gave a really uh, great presentation yesterday as well, uh, both talked about the need for farmers to start commenting on that proposal when uh, they can. The Farm Bureau has a big station set up here in their trade show to get comments sent in. Uh, there was an advice uh, given that, you know, the environmental groups will be just sending thousands and thousands of memos, but uh, the, what the farmers can do is actually have a more personal example of what the previous WOTUS uh, would have done to their farm and how they are like a simpler and more science-based regulatory position. So a lot of interest in making sure that farmers weigh in on the new proposal. Sarah, uh Democrats, House Democrats have kind of indicated they're going to push for something on climate change, although uh, House Ag Committee Chair Colin Peterson doesn't seem to be uh, too interested in doing much of that on the Ag Committee. Uh, Do you see that being a big issue this year? I do see that being a big issue. I can see it uh, climbing closer to the top of some of the Democrats' agenda. I think that there's an opportunity, though, and Senator Roberts mentioned this again yesterday. He said he's going to have a hearing on climate change, but the ag community has an opportunity to talk about how some of the technology and the innovations that we have that that need to be approved yet, of course, but there are so many things that are happening that science can help resolve some of these situations, and if we make the investments in research and technology that perhaps ag can be viewed as more of a solution than now some of the naysayers who are pointing to agriculture as a problem. So I think you'll see that in the Senate Ag Committee, uh, a real focus on 
positive aspects of agriculture in, in addressing climate change. And it will be interesting to see that perhaps that may be the same tactic that can be employed on the House side. All right, Sarah, thanks. I know it's a big day, a busy day there at the AFBF meeting in New Orleans. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. We'll talk again. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor, publisher of AgriPulse Communications, going through security, going into the uh, the convention hall there to get ready to hear President Trump speak to the AFBF members. And we'll have a lot of reaction to that speech coming up on tomorrow's program. Stay with us. We have more coming up from the AFBF annual meeting. Plus, we'll also a little bit later be talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. As a lot of folks are digging out of uh, a lot of snow, what's in store for us this coming week? Could there be another winter storm headed towards uh, across the country towards the Midwest? We'll talk about that later as well. So stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? But did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Family Fire. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. 
For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 100th American Farm Bureau Federation Convention underway in New Orleans. Joining us now from there is Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's great to be here with you guys. I know everybody's excited down there with the president coming in today. Quite a quite an ordeal. Yes, there's a lot of people excited about seeing the president. Yeah, uh, maybe not as excited about going through all the security and the lines, right? But excited to hear him speak. You know, it does create quite a quite a challenge for our for our logistics people. But clearly, our members are looking forward to hearing what the president has to say. Yeah, second year in a row, the president speaking to the AFBF uh, delegates. All right, Don, one of the big issues, of course, uh, here in 2019 will be what happens with waters of the U.S. Give us an update where we stand. We have the proposed new rule. Where does it all stand right now? Well, back just before Christmas, EPA published on their website the new proposal. Uh, that proposal is is out there for people to analyze, for people to look at, you know, to kind of educate their you know, what we're doing is looking at it very closely and trying to educate our members on on the clarity that it provides. And as soon as it hits the Federal Register, there will be an official comment period. Uh, that comment period is proposed to run for 60 days. It's obviously going to run a little longer because of the government shutdown, because it, the proposal is, has not hit the Federal Register. So uh, when it runs in the Federal Register, we have 60 days to do official comments. Yeah, one more important issue really on hold with the government shutdown, right? Uh, that is correct. Uh, not only that, but we are also looking for the EPA to finalize the rule that ultimately withdraws the 2015 rule. Uh, they had given indication in their their regulatory uh, objective that they were going to try to do that sometime in March of 2019. It probably pushed that back a little bit as well. So there's a lot of balls in the air, a lot of moving, a lot of moving pieces, uh, not just in the regulatory arena, but in the courts as well. Don, the other day I talked with someone with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association about WOTUS, and they they said for the most part they really like this new rule, big improvement over the old rule. There were some things they wish maybe were, would be a little uh, clearer, maybe touched up a little bit, but overall very supportive. Uh, what are your thoughts as you look at it, have had a chance to really kind of dig into it now? You know, Mike, I, I would agree with my colleagues at the National Cattlemen. There are a couple of things that we want to see the agency clarify a little more. Um Clearly, this is a much simpler, simpler proposal. We don't see significant nexus mentioned anywhere in the regulation, so I think that's a good thing. Uh, we're going to try to move away or get the government to move away from case-by-case determinations. But one of the things that, that's kind of critical is making sure that that line between ephemeral and intermittent streams are clear. Uh, our objective, and one of the things that President Duvall has indicated that he wants, is when he drives out across his farm, he wants to be able to clearly understand what is federally jurisdictional and what is jurisdictional at the state level. We have kind of uh, seen the ag groups line up in support of this. Environmental groups, many of them, uh, are critical of it. Uh, how do you see that battle playing out? 
you know, I find it pretty interesting that the environmental groups are, are claiming a, kind of a significant rollback, but when you look at the specific proposal, this proposal really does align with what has been done before, but probably in much clearer terms so that we're able to understand what is federal and what is state. I'm pretty optimistic that the clarity, particularly with the rule that provides for significant criminal and civil penalties, uh, I think this proposal is going to win the day, and I think it's going to be one that stands the test, not only of of kind of the regulatory and legislative rigor, rigor but also it, it's going to it's going to stand up in court. And I was going to say it will be tested in court, probably. That is correct. Um, it's going to take a long time to kind of get the process done, but we want that process done correctly, and then ultimately it's going to take time for for the for this effort to move through the court systems as well. Talking with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don, the other day I saw a, an article on the WOTUS, and it pointed out that uh, uh, it, this isn't just an ag issue, that there are a lot of other uh, industries that are impacted as much, if not even maybe more, uh, than agriculture because with that old rule that has been um, so burdensome. Well, clearly, this rule impacts virtually anybody that has to use the landscape to build a road, to build a home, to build a school, to build a power line, to build a pipeline. All of these things are critically important because ultimately, where the Clean Water Act jurisdiction lies, it really does give some indication as to whether or not you need permits. I will take exception. I believe the 2015 proposal that was finalized by the Obama rule was more targeted at agriculture than anybody else because what it intended to do back in 2015 is blur the distinction between regulating water and land use. As you uh, look at this new rule, as you said, it's uh, more, it's clearer, it uh, simplifies a lot of things. Uh, it sounds to me like more common sense in, in some of these determinations. Where do you see some areas that it could be open to more challenge than maybe some other parts of it uh, in court? Well, again, we talked about making sure that this rule excludes ephemerals. Ephemerals are things that we put conservation practices on, like grass waterways. They're things that our farmers have to deal with in the middle of the field. This proposal explicitly excludes ephemerals. But what it doesn't do is make a real clear line between what is ephemeral and what is intermittent. That's important, and we need that to be very clear. That's one of the things that we're going to be working with this administration to try to make sure that as they finalize a rule and they've asked plenty of questions around this, we're going to take the opportunity to comment on. we got to do our job. We're an advocacy organization. The other thing they can do, again, I'm troubled by the fact that they, they use the term ditch so much. Ditch in the Clean Water Act is defined as a point source. I don't believe a point source can also be a WOTUS. So how they deal with that term ditch is important because most of the features, most of the infrastructure, most of the things that only have water in them during rainfall events aren't WOTUS. And I want a very clear, very understandable line there. Okay, so we wait for the government shutdown to get done so the all the publishing and the comments and all that, we can get through that period. What Take us through the timeline and then how this goes once uh, we can get started back up again. Well, once they once they 
put the pro- put the proposal in the Federal Register. There's going to be a comment period. And right now they propose that comment period to be 60 days. They've also proposed at least two meetings, one of them virtually over the Internet, for people to hear and understand and comment on the, on the proposal. And then they've also planned to do one in-person meeting that, you know, gives people the opportunity to talk about the pros you know, or the cons of this proposal. All of that is critically important. It's critically important that EPA keep an open mind. We believe they are. We believe not only do they have an open mind, but they're listening and have given every indication that they're going to listen during this comment period. That's not something we we encountered uh, the last time around. So we think that's a really important step in the right direction. After they finish the comment period, then they've got to kind of analyze the comments. They've got to analyze the comments and then respond to them and then finalize the regulation. We hope if this government shutdown ultimately gets resolved, that can be done sometime this year. You know, whenever we go through public comment periods, uh, whatever the topic may be, there's always a question, I think, and maybe the doubt in some people's minds, just how important are the public comments? How influential are they? Uh, does it matter how many, or is it more is it more a matter of quality than quantity? How do you view uh, public comments and uh, their impact on a final decision? The Farm Bureau views it kind of two ways. Uh, we've been talking to our members down here at, in New Orleans, and they're very excited about submitting comments on this proposal. They know that this is something that has been out there for the last 10 years, and they're interested in, you know, to use a sports metaphor, they want to finish strong. They want to be able to kind of put their their mark on a proposal that is critical to the growth and welfare of this nation because we want clean water, but we also want clear rules. So they're excited about that. I think it's going to be important for, for EPA to analyze those detailed rules but it's also important for people to kind of read and understand what the proposal is. And unfortunately, the last time around, you know, people didn't do that. It was a huge, complex proposal. And, you know, people basically said, we want clean water. Well, everybody wants clean water, but you have to kind of understand the details of the proposal and how it impacts you, the industries, and everything you do in life, you know, whether it's, you know, how we build our roads, and, and how we build our homes. Those are critical. And, and we think this proposal is going to lead to an opportunity for people to, to submit good comments on that. All right, Don. Thank you very much for the update. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation with a Waters of the U.S. update. All right. More from the AFBF meeting coming up next here on AOA. If you don't know where to look, it's easy to miss something big. Sometimes the answers to our biggest challenges are found in the most unexpected places. The clean energy solutions we need are right in front of us. Always have been. Opportunity is everywhere if you know where to look. See the world differently. Poet. 
Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. It's time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. We've got a Monday mix for the grain and oil seed sector. Soybean futures trending three to four cents lower, two and a fraction higher in corn, one to two and a fraction lower in the wheats an hour into the trading day. With the government shutdown now the longest on record and showing few signs of ending soon, the grain markets appear resigned to continue to focus on South American weather. China and the U.S. are moving ahead with plans to hold a round of higher level talks to resolve their continuing trade conflict. Sources say the meeting set for January 30th and 31st, but the plan could be delayed by the partial U.S. government shutdown. March soybeans were firm on Friday. The March contract closed just above its 20-day moving average. The bulls nibbling at the market following Thursday's declines of some 16 to 17 cents. Once again, the seven-day forecast remains hot and mostly dry for southern Brazil. March corn edged slightly higher in a narrow range on Friday, edging two and a fraction higher on this Monday. March remained below the 20-day moving average on Friday, a weak sign on the charts. That toggle point noted at 379 and a quarter. An hour in, we're at 380 and a half. For livestock at the Merck, in lean hog futures, more minus signs, 37 to 90 cents lower in early activity. Live cattle futures, a narrow mix, 12 cents on either side of steady in the front three contracts of the market. Feeder cattle trending 22 to 75 cents lower. On Wall Street, we are trending lower. The Dow down 102 points. February crude oil in New York down 6 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, it is the 100th annual convention of the American Farm Bureau Federation going on right now in New Orleans. And joining us now is the president of the Missouri Farm Bureau, Blake Hurst. Blake, how are things going in the Big Easy for you? 
Well, just fine. We're uh, actually in the security line to see the to get in the general session this morning for uh, for President Trump. And uh, as far as I can tell, it goes on forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I miss being there. I miss uh, not being able to hear the president speak. But I do not miss the security lines. Yeah, it is certainly a uh, a production when a president's at an event. That's for sure. So, uh, what are you I'm, hoping to hear from the president? Well, we uh, you know clearly trade, 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 right? I mean, that's a huge issue. And, of course, the government shutdown is affecting a lot of farmers in a lot of different ways. Um, so so that's on people's minds as well. And I, I can't I – we'll, we'll just see what he has to say about both issues, but they're both very mm-hmm. important to us. I've been saying I, I expect uh, your crowd there to be still supportive of the president, but, but anxious, wanting to get some answers to some of these issues and questions. Yeah, I would guess that um, it's going to be very interesting, you know, at, since he was here last year, you remember what it was, what the reception was like last year. It's going to be very interesting to see whether the temperature in the room has uh, maybe gone down a degree or two. We'll see. I have, I don't have any way of predicting, but we'll we'll try to get a feel for that this morning. I guess. I find what's going on with this president and agriculture and the relationship to be very interesting because the president is pro-tariff. Agriculture is anti-tariffs. We're waiting for a lot of things to get done that haven't gotten done yet. I'm waiting to see how they turn out. Uh, But yet through it all, agriculture has been very patient with with the president, even though they seem to be, you know, from the outside, it would look like they would it would be just the opposite. Uh, I I just think it's interesting how this relationship is. Yeah, yeah. The dynamic has been extraordinarily interesting. Uh, uh, Like his uh, willingness to tell it like it is, obviously. Uh, there was maybe even more sentiment in farm country for doing something about China, right? More more concern about China trade issues than than I think most of us realize. Uh, but still, you know, farmers understand when things get tough, and part of the reasons are these tariffs. Uh, you know, and I talked to my friends in the cotton industry; they very much depend uh, for their marketing plans on the way that cotton goes through the cotton goes through the uh, markets is. It depends on the loan on the loan program, uh, you know. In corn, soybeans, we've kind of kind of been out of the uh, out of the loan business for a few years, but still very important in cotton. And uh, it's kind of stopped commerce, and it's a problem for people in the cotton industry. We're talking with Blake Hurst, president of the Missouri Farm Bureau. Uh, I know AFBF president Zippy Duvall has pointed this out, and I'm sure that uh, you'll have a chance. Uh, in conversations with Secretary Purdue and others to keep emphasizing, hey, agriculture is uh, bearing a lot of the brunt of these trade issues right now. Oh, yeah. We're, uh, we've been in the crosshairs of this whole thing uh, since the beginning. We're still there. Uh, you know, we're not going to – we're concerned that we're not going to get the USMCA through Congress. It's going to be a, a tough, uh, tough challenge for us. Uh, certainly will be even harder as long as these tariffs on steel are in place that are affecting Canada. And so, so it's a, it's just a, it's just a difficult time right now. And given those difficult times, what do you sense is the mood there? As you talk with uh, your colleagues from around the country, is there a, a an easiness? Uh, uh, do you, yeah, do you I think pick up a on a concern. Word. Yeah, yeah, just, just yeah, you know, kind of. Well, what next? Uh, concern about markets. Uh, obviously, been a very unsettled weather year. Uh, so, so you know that's. <laughs> That at least we can't blame on uh, on politicians, but but uh, that is still a concern. You know, people recovering from flood, floods last summer on the eastern seaboard, and 
and uh, just uh, just a just pretty uh, pretty unsettled time in agriculture is a perfect way to describe it. Looking ahead to your delegate session, what do you see or what are you hearing might be some of the big issues brought up there? You know, um, the, the, I haven't heard a whole lot of talk. I think my my feeling is, oh, I think still some discussion back and forth. We've got new policy on uh, on artificial meat, uh, sort of a new uh, new issue that's come up, at least in the lab-grown variety. So we're, you know, pretty much agreement on the issue, just question on how we get the final language. Uh, I think we'll uh, be bringing to uh, the floor some language on on making sure that CCC employees are um, considered essential should we ever have another another government shutdown. So, so I, I'm not seeing a lot of controversial stuff, but always always issues come up, and we always have some always have some surprises. Like it looks like an issue that is going to be a big issue this year again will be climate change and already some house democrats talking about some things they want to do on that um maybe even some talk even over in the senate uh how big of an issue do you see this being uh, here in 2019 well um first off if you spend just a few minutes of reading their green green climate plan or whatever they call it uh they certainly have a lot of uh, changes in in uh, mind for agriculture, I think starting with uh, not eating my, uh, nearly as much meat. So, so those sort of that's sort of the aspirational goal here, a uh, long ways from what I'm sure will come on on the House floor. But, uh, but if these things raise the price of energy uh, to farmers and discourage people from uh, enjoying uh, enjoying the meat and uh, animal protein we produce, then then it's not good news for agriculture. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that. And usually when we talk. Anytime you bring up climate change and what might be done, it brings back memories of the old cap and trade and that whole debate. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what form it takes this time. Yeah, and we, you know, and, and, and our our watchword on all this is why um, why do damage to the U.S. economy, particularly why do damage to agriculture when in the when the big scheme, whatever you you, you see the science, the big scheme of things going to make no difference, and that's so many of these. Uh, so many of these plans will uh, slow down our economy. It will cause hardship uh, for people who are, you know, having trouble making ends meet, and they aren't going to do a darn thing as far as the amount of carbon going in the air, or very little. Uh, so that's that's the thing you have to watch for. Just doing, you know, sort of like, I mean, I, all I can ever think of is a uh, is a scene in uh, in, uh, in in Blazing Saddles where the sheriff's got the pistol head to his head, stop me before I shoot myself. I mean, that sometimes I think that's our climate policy. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, this is the 100th anniversary uh, convention for American Farm Bureau Federation. What kind of a year has it been membership-wise for Farm Bureau? Oh, it's been, um, you know, a steady, steady year, steady state. Um, we're not seeing a lot of growth across the country. Great year in uh, um, Missouri, by the way, had some good membership growth. Um, but a good year for Missouri Farm Bureau. I think we've uh, had some changeover, um, you know, just normal rotation in and uh, some of our staff members as, as people get old and reach retirement age. And so uh, that brings a lot of excitement when uh, when new and new young people, they're uh, taking, the, taking all those roles. And we're seeing that transition. That's an exciting thing to see. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck getting through the security line. You, you bet. It seems to be moving very quickly, but I can't see the end. I don't know how long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, 
it's always interesting when you're at an event where a president is speaking, and regardless of politics, just the, a president of the United States at an event, it, it creates an electricity, it creates a buzz, doesn't it? Well, it does, and, you know, and there's, and, and no matter what, whatever you think, it's historic, you know, and when, when people write... Uh, People write histories of the uh, Trump administration someday. There'll be history books that mention uh, his trip to the uh, Farm Bureau Convention or at least uh, uh, touch on it and what he might say here. And to be part of that is exciting. It just is. What do you think is should we make of the fact that this is the second year in a row that he's speaking at AFBF when for many, many years uh, no president showed up. Uh, there were some years it was challenging maybe to get the Secretary of Agriculture to show up. Now you have the president two years in a row. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, I think it's, uh, it shows uh, that we mattered in this last election, which, uh, you know, real, real votes mattered, which they did. I mean, you know, the way the, way the uh, uh, Electoral College and the popular vote work together, it gives uh, real voters a chance to have a real voice. And my assumption is that people are going to notice that. And so as we uh, we move on into uh, different elections and different different candidates, they're going to remember that the rural vote matters very much. And if they don't, we will have failed because we should remind them of that. Well, I may be wrong, but I would predict a speech that uh, short on details, but hitting some general broad themes that will be very popular with uh, those in attendance there. Yeah, I think that's a. That's a pretty good bet, and I'm also uh, willing to bet that whatever's on the teleprompter won't have much to do with what he says. You reckon that's true? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think uh, he's bound by a teleprompter too much, do you? No, 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 no it, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't slow him down much. All right. Well, Blake, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll look forward to talking, get your reaction at some point after you hear the speech and uh, see see how it plays out. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thank you. And, and good luck in that line, okay? Did you pack a snack or anything to get you? <laughs> I think we lost him. Okay. Yeah, those lines, those security lines, even though it sounds like it's moving pretty well there, boy, uh, it's amazing when it, you're at an event that the president is speaking at, I'm, I, and from a media standpoint, I've, I've gone through this several times, how early you have to be in place to go through all the security checks and through the lines and get in there and then basically sit uh, kind of, uh, held there then you once you're there you can't really leave so uh yeah it's a a logistical challenge for sure when the, the president comes to an event and you're uh, at that event and uh, especially when you're trying to cover it from a media standpoint a lot of limitations of what you can and cannot do during a quite a period of time beyond just when the president is actually speaking all right well we'll have more tomorrow from the afbf annual meeting we'll get reaction to what the president says today and uh, go over some of his comments and uh, see what the folks in new orleans have to say about them but coming up next weather let's talk about weather with dtm meteorologist bryce anderson i want to ask him about why where i live did we get to so much snow here in my part of illinois 16 inches Uh, And what might we expect? I'm hearing about another winter storm coming next weekend. We'll talk with him about that coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? 
been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help. America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call mobile help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. 
Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. You know, a lot of times a winter storm will hit and uh, you're you're watching it on the news and you'll say, wow, that area really got hit. Or, boy, I feel sorry for those folks. They seem to get more than anybody else. Well, this time I happen to be in that area. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson is with us. Bryce, uh, here in Jacksonville, Illinois, 14 to 16 inches. I mean, we really got it. Uh, tell, tell me about this storm. Did you see it being this big uh, as it moved across? It had the potential for, for a moderate to locally heavy event, Mike. But uh, to be honest, um, with each uh, iteration of the forecast models on Friday and then going into uh, Friday night, uh, those uh, snowfall amounts just kept getting heavier and heavier. And a lot of it had to do with the uh, fact that the uh, energy that uh, brought that snow uh, just didn't move very quickly. It was a pretty slow-moving storm, and so there was a lot of moisture that got brought into uh, the Midwest, and uh, obviously there was uh, quite a package of colder air to uh, to form the snow, and so it just kind of kept coming and coming and coming. I was uh, in part of that event, actually, I was in Dayton, Ohio over the weekend, and uh, and Dayton had a record uh, snowfall of six inches, which is nothing like Jacksonville, but it was pretty impressive to see the intensity of the snow. Uh, it reminded me of uh, some of the Omaha uh, events that uh, I've seen, and at times I've been uh, out in mountain country where there's been that sort of snowfall uh, intensity, and it really came down, and uh, it certainly uh, kind of blew through a, a lot of the record totals. And looking at this week ahead, I'm hearing about a, possibly another storm next weekend? Cer- certainly is going to. It, it really does look like there's going to be a repeat. Uh, and over much of the same area, kind of between uh, from uh, Interstate 70 south toward uh, the uh, Ohio Valley and even the Missouri Boot Heel, uh, with that uh, corridor of locally heavy snowfall because we're going to have some pretty cold air uh, move into the uh, northern Midwest and then kind of settle into the eastern Midwest during uh, the balance of this week. And there's a pretty good storm out of the uh, California coast starting to bring uh, rain and snow into the far west, and that's the energy that's going to track then right into uh, that uh, south-central part of the country later this week. And so we can think uh, think about getting set for another helping of winter. Uh, this is something, actually, that our forecast did deal with um, 
in uh, thinking about how the winter was going to play out, and and uh, it is starting to uh, take shape that way. And is this any is this El Nino related, or 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 what? What's the impetus here? Well, the the impetus actually is. Uh, is not really uh, associated with El Nino because El Nino is kind of a non-player. It's been such a weak event. But um, out of the uh, far northern latitudes, the uh, polar vortex has uh, weakened considerably over the last several uh, days, actually the last couple weeks. And uh, the the uh, dynamics in the atmosphere that are leading that are leading to that kind of breakdown of that circular uh, wind pattern over the uh, far northern latitudes is allowing the colder air to move southward and, uh, like I say, pretty well invade uh, the eastern half of the U.S. And so that's the mechanism behind that. And the thing is that once this outbreak uh, of colder air develops. It, it uh, takes a while for it to modify, and that's the reason why it uh, does look like we're going to have a fairly sustained round of pretty cold conditions uh, from the end of this week here, the, uh, you know, going into about January 20th through much of the remainder of the month of January now. Okay, I'll keep the snow shovel handy. Uh, what about uh, South America? What's the latest down there? You know, in, in Brazil, they had a little bit of rain over the weekend in south-central Brazil, where it's been very, very dry, and there will be a few more showers this week, but nothing to change uh, the generally drier trend that they've got. And uh, I started to see some harvest reports over the weekend, Mike, about um, uh, how things are going so far, and there are some soybean yields that are anywhere from about uh, 20% to as much as 70% below a year ago. Uh, I'm, I saw soybean yield numbers ranging from about 10 bushels an acre to maybe about 35 bushels an acre, and a lot of these uh, producers were hoping for soybeans to yield around 55 bushels an acre. So this crop is certainly uh, not nearly as big as had been expected, and in all likelihood, even the official crop estimates are just going to get kind of shaved uh, little by little as we go through the balance of the season. So it's a uh, definitely tough stretch in Brazil. Yeah, as we talked about, they thought they were going to have a huge crop. They were kind of starting off with that kind of uh, uh, weather and uh, expectation, but it sure changed. It, it really did, and, and I, I, I can't get over the comparison to the 2010 crop season here in the U.S. because uh, the same things happened. Um, back then and this year uh, relative to the U.S. and Brazil. Nine years ago, uh, planting went great, uh, soil moisture was looking good and all that sort of thing, and then in the middle of the summer it turned off dry and uh, quite hot and yields were disappointing. And in Brazil we saw the same thing. Uh, planting got going in great shape. It looked like uh, the whole soil moisture sequence was going to maintain itself and then here this dry pattern is set in, and it uh, has been uh, truly stressful. And, of course, not only that, but with the dryness and then the, you know, kind of semi-tropical uh, location of uh, most of Brazil, uh, the, the heat uh, just uh, reinforced itself. And so they've had temperatures that have been running about, you know, 10, 15, 20 degrees above average uh, for the, the overall average temperatures. That's a real hot pattern, and it has just uh, kind of 
desiccated a lot of the soybeans. They've withered, and it's forced harvest to start earlier because, you know, the crop simply matured and uh, ran out of gas. All right, so we, meanwhile, here in the U.S., we brace for another winter storm uh, coming possibly this week, and hopefully not as big as this last weekend. No, that's very true. Uh, there's there's uh, still going to be some, some locations that have the uh, heavier yeah. snowfall with that uh, scenario this week for sure, though. Uh, you want to come help me j- shovel? Well, I'll uh, try to get, get my snowblower going. How's that, uh... <laughs> okay. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it. Take care, Bryce. Thank you, Mike. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right. Coming up tomorrow, more from the AFBF annual meeting in New Orleans. Thanks for joining us today here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. <laughs>